to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Bergio, and I'm super excited to bring you a guest new friend of mine. Her name is Melissa, and she is a salon owner and many, many other things. And I want to just read a little bit about her before uh, we dive in, because we've been talking for 20 minutes beforehand about all things business, beauty business, growing, scaling, all the things. So uh, Melissa, I'm just going to read. Thank you for joining us. I'm just going to read a little bit of the bio that you sent me because really you're quite amazing. Um, she is the founder and former owner of an award-winning multi-seven-figure salon and day spa, a certified business consultant and life coach since 2007. Her personal mission is to help people realign with what their business goals and true purpose are. Melissa envisions herself as a bridge that brings people back to their authentic self, assisting them in gaining clarity of life goals through self-exploration transformational tools and her works like magic methodologies. Her commitment is that every entrepreneur has support in their corner to never go it alone. Whatever your it is, she's there to see you through. Oh my God, that's amazing. Who doesn't need a Melissa in their life? I do. <laughs> I got you, girl. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So one of the things that um, you guys hear me talk about all the time is your network is your net worth and being involved in masterminds and coaching programs. All the things is where I meet beautiful people like Melissa. And she's recently joined the fast foundations crew and uh, we've been able to connect on here. And she said, Hey, by the way, I was in your industry for many years. Maybe you'd like to have me. I said, I would love to have you. Um, and while we could talk about all the things I want to dive into how you even got into the beauty industry and what drew you to this career, because I find um, that gets lost in people's story a lot. I end up talking about the yeah. end and where they're at versus like how they started. So tell us about how you got into the industry. Wild and crazy, not the beauty side, spa side girl. Okay. I'm, yes. a, I'm, a, I'm a spa girl over here. Yeah. So I am a massage therapist. Well, was, I still have my license. I don't operate anymore, but massage therapist by trade. So that's actually what brought me into the salon and spa industry. Um, so I'm a little bit of a different beast that comes into this world. Totally. Oh my God. Who doesn't love a good massage therapist? So, um, when you were new in the industry, did you have, what was your experience getting into the spa and, or to the salon? Was it just i I'll work at the best place I can find, or how did you find a good fit for you when you first graduated? Um, I actually just looked for whoever was hiring. I didn't put a whole lot of thought process behind it. I was brand new and anybody who was willing to take me on, I was willing to go there. Okay. Well, I love that. And that's kind of the hustle mentality we were talking about a little bit ago about, you know, we just did whatever we had to do when we got started. It was like, you took anybody you could, you didn't have an ideal client. You said yes to everybody and you took deals and you did all the things. Um, when you started to grow your business, how, and when did you know it was time to kind of maybe move out of wherever you were at onto the next space? Yeah. You know, I don't think that I vetted where I was very well. I don't think, um, I shouldn't say I don't think, I know. I did not vet where I was at very well. I didn't check into their business practices. I didn't check into how stable they were. I just knew that they were hiring. And uh, you know, one big thing that I like to cue in for people, if someone's hiring, dig a little deeper and figure out why. Are they hiring because they're expanding? Are they hiring because they have a supply and demand issue? Are they hiring because somebody's pregnant or somebody moved on, but why are they hiring? Because sometimes there's a little bit of a hidden message there of why someone's hiring. And I moved on because we found out that the business that I went and worked for was going under. They just were not running a very good business. They were a very big business, um, but they weren't going to survive. So it was time for me to have to make a choice. And I had already started to develop a clientele there. And when they were getting ready to close, I actually 
went and made another quick decision and just moved across the street because it was convenient. So found myself kind of in a similar pickle on the other side of the road. Literally, the grass was not greener. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's, that's such a true statement because I do, especially right now after quarantine, COVID, all the things, every single salon has room in it right now. And with mm -hmm. only over 40 salons closing in San Diego alone, um, I knew that there was going to be a lot of hairdressers transitioning to different places, whether it's solace salons, whether they are not working anymore in the industry, putting yeah. in their home, like there's so much movement and transition right now. I feel like now is just not really a comparable time to even when you and I started 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, what were, what were some of the valuable lessons you learned when working for places like that? Like in hindsight, from you being a business owner to looking back as to what wasn't working for some of those, did you take some of those, I won't do lessons with you? Absolutely. Like every lesson. And, and I think that that's one of the things that every business owner should have in their back pocket is the fluidity of every time that there's a breakdown, it's an opportunity for you to add another component and another file to how to get to breakthrough into your portfolio. And I took all of those lessons and I knew that I wanted to be a very good entrepreneur. I wanted to be a good professional in the, in the room, in the treatment room. And I didn't know how to make that happen because I didn't have the right role models in the two businesses that I'd worked for previously. So I actually went off and took some classes to teach me about the business of the beauty and the spa industry. And it was there that I fell in love with the backside of this industry, which is where I then ended up doing some coursework and joined on board with a consulting firm that I was able to start serving um, other entrepreneur or other uh, beauty professionals in the industry. Okay. So that's how the transition happened. I was curious. Yeah. I don't think you and I had talked about that. So when did you know it was time to kind of move on and, and look into doing your own thing? So when I was coaching other salon owners on, you know, cash flow, PL, balance sheets, how to be successful in the industry, how to maximize your space, rate per hour, charging, increasing your prices on all of the things and leading their team. Mm -hmm. The biggest pushback that I would get from, from owners was, you don't own a salon. You don't know. They won't do that. You don't understand. You, you can't get them to perform in that way. They won't look at the KPIs that way. They don't care about the numbers. I kept getting all this pushback and I just kept feeling like, no, it, it is possible. You can do that. You can get people to perform. You can get people to be passionate. And I just said, you know what? Screw it. You can, and I will. And I did. I love that. Okay. So, I mean, I'm sure there was one bajillion lessons on opening your own salon. What were some of the challenges that you look back and want to share with us on, on anyone who's thinking about opening their own salon? Because I feel like this is a really pivotal, pivotal, pivotal time for people. Get it out of your mouth, Jessica. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm no expert. You all know this is a new podcast for me and I'm doing the best I can. So hang in there with me and I don't edit shit. <laughs> I, it's, I want it to be as real as it can be. So what it takes time anyway, <laughs> um, the challenges that you face when you, when you look back, I wish I would have done this. I wish I wouldn't have done that because I'm sure, you know, having employee based or commission based renters in a, in a, in a salon always think it's going to be better when I can booth rent. It's going to be better when I can go build my own brand. And while they both are equally yoked in their own way, yeah. I think it falls victim for the people who want to have a simple structured system set up for a commission 
versus the booth rent. There's so much more that goes into this and building your own brand. You have to be a different beast for this versus that. So mm-hmm. you think about when you opened, what were some of the challenges that you wish you could have avoided? I mean, I know we talked about some deeper stuff, but some things that would be relatable to anybody looking to do their own thing right now. Yeah, I think beginning with the end in mind, 100%, whatever your beginning is, whether your beginning is wanting to open up a salon where it's just you, whether you go for a brick and mortar or you go for a studio rental or you go to rent a chair or you decide you want to go into big business and you want to have a team, regardless of what that beginning is that aligns with your heart, what is the end game? What are you looking for? What does winning look like? and then reverse engineer it backward from there. I would say that's the one thing that I was very thankful for that I knew from being a consultant that I knew that I knew that I needed. There was a lot of other things that I didn't know that I didn't know. And a lot of it was about myself. I think another big component is really tapping into who you are and what the feeling of success is for you, not just the accolade of success that you're chasing. If there's one, if I were to name just one big one for me, it was being on the bigger, better, faster, stronger train that I knew so well as a consultant how to scale and how to grow and hustle my brand. But I did it at the cost and at the expense of my my well-being. I did it at the cost and at the trade-off of my true fulfillment Success for me as a feeling is freedom and peace. Everything I was doing was not creating that as an outcome. I was making money, we were scaling, we were doing fantastic, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't whole. And if I would have known that about myself in the beginning, I could have structured my brand and structured my business differently. First five years, I did everything. I worked probably 50 to 60 hour weeks. I mean, it was insanity. Um, If I would have known what I know now, I would have had more of a support in the beginning and not went at it alone and not martyred my way through my first five years because I sacrificed a lot and I didn't need to. So pivot, caveat, like if you completely flip that over on its head, the last five years of my brand being a 7,000 square foot brand with 42 employees. I worked on average about five, maybe 10 hours a week. So I went from having this thing in the beginning that had baby amount of people that we started out at 3,000 square feet, grew to five and then you know expanded again. I went from working 50 to 60, 70 hours a week over here to five to 10 over here. So I had this huge beast and I'm working this much time. I had this little tiny baby business. And I was working, you know, astronomical amount of hours. It's because I learned something about myself. And that's what allowed me to really pivot my brand into aligning with my intentions for me. So if there's one thing that you can do as an early entrepreneur, or even as an early service provider is to really serve yourself first, the, the gold is what is the it for you? Mm. And then build your business based on that. And it's possible. If I could do it with 42 people, you can do it with four. You can do it on your own. 
it's actually a really funny story about my big business at the end. So at one of the beauty suppliers, picking up some stuff and there was two young gals in front of me in line and I gosh I hope she's not listening because it's really actually super embarrassing but there's these two (laughs) there's these two young girls that were in front of me in line they were talking to the sales lady checking out about how they were just recently licensed and whatnot and I of course I'm like I'm behind them I'm like oh so they're going to leave and I handed my business card I say we have an amazing apprentice program like piping it up pumping it up you should totally come check us out. And the one girl kind of tips her head to me and she's like, oh, you must be my new boss. <laughs> for the love of Jesus, homegirl already worked for me. <laughs> Show you, you already had them hired and you were still trying to get them on board. That's hilarious. That's well, amazing. The, the amount, I don't know what I felt more of, of like guilt, shame, or proud. I went, I went out in the car and I was like dying to my husband. He's like, what's so funny? I was like, oh my God, I just met one of our new hires. He's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I met her because I just tried to recruit her to join our team. <laughs> so part of me felt very, you guys, it's not, it's, it's lonely at the top. I I tell you that story with humor. I do, but it's lonely at the top and it doesn't have to be. It does not have to be. I went home that night and I felt really gross. I felt like for a moment, was that a terrible thing that I just totally tried to recruit someone who was already on my team? Like, is that really disgusting and like just awful? (laughs) somebody else hired her or because you had yeah she'd already she had already been hired onboarded she was already on my team I didn't even know that they had hired her or who she was or her name or nothing because I had such a well-oiled machine that it functioned fully without me hiring firing onboarding training all of it I designed it I designed it to do that And here I was for a moment because we all guilt and shame ourselves. You guys, we do, we all, we all fucking do it. And it makes me so mad that there was that snippet of time after I laughed at myself that then I instantly went into the like, oh man, that's gross. And I had to full circle myself back to like, dang it. No, that's fucking amazing. You have a 42 person staff that works so well that you just tried to recruit your own employee. Be proud of that. That's how Be I love that. Told the story. Hell yeah. Because I created it that way. So there's always going to be something. There will always be someone. There will always be a challenge. Just be resilient. And it's aligning back to your values that allow you to do that. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, and in your early stages of business and the younger version of you, where do you think that shift happened where you started to become more aware of what it was that you needed versus what everybody else needed and what you needed to be doing? Because I feel like a lot of people are in that space of like grind hustle to where Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to my personal mental self-care when I get there. You know, during COVID with everybody being closed down for that long period of time, you know, I came out with a six-figure stylist program, which is more around, you know, taking care Mm -hmm. of the inside. You know, I built the course with the thought of 
putting all that in there, the, the stuff that you were talking about, consulting the PL, your all of the numbers. And that just didn't resonate with who, um, that version of me that needed to be taught those things. Like what does success mean to you? I called it the six figure stylist because there's a mindset fuckedness about people thinking when I get to six figures, when I'm successful, when my books are fully booked out, then I will feel worthy. Then I will. And it's like, no, you need to become a version of that before, because you might not even need to achieve that number in order Mm -hmm. to get to where you feel good and happy with what your career is like. So, you know, when you describe that with the, the, what was it? Peace and freedom as your, Mm -hmm. as your level of success meter, like me, that's everything. And so, you know, Melissa and I were chatting before we hit record on this too, about when you're around people doing certain things and they've got their claws out and they're, they're in hustle grind mode, that's great, but don't get distracted by what other people are doing. If that's the season that they're in, I think Melissa mm-hmm. and I are in slightly different seasons being 20 year veterans of this industry. We are now in a totally different mindset. Um, she's grown and scale a business that she's not been able to retire from, which is a completely different business setup than even for me. And I'm always still learning. So her and I were having a conversation about, wouldn't it be cool as if when you were in school, you were graduated with this packet of let's create the end in mind. What do you see for yourself in 20 or 30 years? That was never taught to us. And so that's why in this mastermind, it was so important for me to be like, how can I go back to that version of me 20, 15 years ago and make sure she doesn't make all the mistakes I made. So she doesn't look back after 20 years and think, what was it all for? Yeah. What was it all for? I have nothing to show for it. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I mean, I feel like the things that you're doing to help people realize to reverse engineer is like exactly what everybody needs to do. So let's just say you come across someone like me or someone who's been in the industry Mm -hmm. 10 years, they're making good money. Um, they're doing all the things and they still don't have anything to show for it. They don't have an out plan. They don't have a end of career plan where would you even start with somebody like me or them to get us on the right track to being able to retire comfortably? Nothing to do with the doing. It's going to all 100% go back to the being. We'd have to circle back to where does this drive? So my pivotal moment was hiring a life coach. That's, that's where my shift happened. And then that's when I decided to become a life coach. Um, it 100% goes back to the being of like, where does the not enoughness, the alone, the martyrism, the um, unwanted, the whatever that is for you, for each individual person, there's a foundational thing that lies beneath the surface that creates the behaviors that we have that keep us in this vicious cycle that keeps the lie alive. And where we start is we press pause on that cycle and we go back and we start trailing it back to figure out, okay, well, you have these circumstances and situations. Where did those come from? Oh, well, they came from the ways in which I was behaving, the things that I was choosing, the things that I was doing or not doing. Okay, well, where'd that come from? Well, that came from the way that I relate to myself because I think that I'm this and I think that I'm that. And it's because I have been thinking my entire life that I was nothing, wasn't worth it. Or I was alone, whatever those things are. So we start with the being. Once we tap into the being, we look at the core values. How do we align our attention and our intentions to align with our core values? If what you say matters most to you is peace and freedom, 
working 60 to 70 damn hours a week is not going to get you that. If what you say is a six-figure income is what you want, but you haven't designed the life that you want for that six-figure income, I can be a six-figure earner too if I wanted to work 100 hours a week. It means nothing. It means nothing to say that I'm six figures if it's not aligned with how many hours I want to work, how many clients I want to serve, what price I want to charge. All of those things have to go hand in hand. And it goes back to full circle what you said about our conversation that preceded this, the, the podcast of be careful not to compare yourself to someone else's beginning or end. And also for us, it's important for us not to compare ourselves in our end season to someone else's beginning or middle. Everybody's different. And you can have a stylist next to you who is ranting and raving about making $125,000 a year, but you don't know what level of effort, energy, and resources it takes for her to make that. You can't compare yourself. There can be a salon owner or a suite owner that's in the suite next door, the salon down the street that's doing $3 million in revenue, which means jack squat if they have a 2% profit margin. We can't compare ourselves to what other people are doing and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Be where you are. Be grounded and connected to what it is that you truly desire. Be a six-figure earner if that's what the fuck you're up to in your life, but be a six-figure earner working 20 hours a week if that's what aligns for you. And if that's what aligns for you, then y'all better get with Jessica to figure out how you work that magic backwards to make that money that you desire to make at the end of the year, working the amount of days a week and the date and the hours in the day that you want to work. It's all possible and it's all fire. And the same thing for business ownership. You want to be a sweet owner? Fantastic. What do you want to make in a year? How are you going to scale this thing so that somewhere along the way, you want to be a salon owner? How are you going to make that something that you can then in turn sell down the road so that you have an ability to retire? And for those of you that love to be independent, have a retirement plan anyways. Thank me later. You can take me to lunch in 20 years from now. Don't do it without it. Don't do it without it. Don't take all of your money and blow it on the Louis Vuitton purse. Trust me, I like them too. But that's not going to be what's going to help you get around when you're 50 and 60 years old. It's not. Do you still want to be behind the chair then? Do you still want to own your salon then? If not, then how are you going to reverse engineer it to make sure that you don't? So valuable. That's so true. And that's, that is completely not what they talk to us about when we're in school. And I, it's so confusing it that that wouldn't be at least a week long module where they teach you how to run your business and how they something, right? Something. I mean, and that's what, if there's one thing that I could do, which would be to come in and start teaching at the beauty schools, this one little week long, set yourself up for success when you graduate, because it's, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It matters what you do with the money you make. And it doesn't matter how much you make. It matters what you do with the money you make. So like you just said, if, if a purse is your carrot, like Chris always talks to us, whatever your carrot is, whatever amount of money you want to make so you can buy the thing, there's nothing wrong with that. The, the only thing wrong is not setting yourself up to win later on in life, like, like Melissa is saying. So, I mean, at this point in your career, what is the most rewarding part that you get 
when you're helping your clients, because now you're in the life coaching and and you're into kind of like a, a new, how can I help serve more people? How can I grow mm-hmm. and scale myself and the business I'm trying to help with now? Um, yeah. I, I admire what you're doing because I'm, I'm, you know, modeling after something similar. And there's yeah. been resistance around calling myself a life coach because I really ca- feel called to that versus just the beauty mentor or only helping beauty professionals because I, I mean, I know I have a gift to be able to help more than just people in our industry, but I know that this is such an underserved industry in the regards mm-hmm. to things you're talking about. Um, yeah. there's so many strategies to grow social media and to like do all the things and market yourself and yada, yada, yada. But the things that you and I are talking about right now are not things I hear being talked about really anywhere else no. in my industry. And it's Mm-mm. fucking mind blowing because I wish somebody would have been like, Hey, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. What are you doing with all your money? Oh, I, I don't have a new BMW and I was on vacation last week. And, um, I, I have I, a lot of debt. Yeah, I went to streets and Nordstroms and spent all my money. Like, I'm not a stupid person, but it's like when you come into chunks of money like that in, in inconsistent ways, it's just like no one taught me how to, you know, take care Budget of it and plan. Yeah. Make my money, make money for me, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, what would you say is the most rewarding thing that you're doing right now with all of the things that you've done? Yeah. So, I totally began with the end in mind. I had the scale up of very early in my career being a consultant and knowing the things that I needed to know to position me on the doing side to get to where I am now. My pivotal moment of the life coaching to get to the being side was in the middle of my career. And both of those things have equally been so um, just life-changing and life-altering to have as an entrepreneur and just as a mom. Um, And it's awarded me and rewarded me in this season of my life. I'm 39 years old. I am officially retired. And I do this work that I do as a life coach and a business consultant 100% out of pure joy, passion, and purpose. Not because I have to, but because I get to, because I choose to. And I'm choosing to do it differently. And I'm very committed to that. And that's why I'm a grandma now. So one thing I didn't talk to earlier, I also had my daughter at 17 years old. So I am a very, I was a very young mom and I'm a very young grandma. So circle backwards, right to 2005-ish when I was building my brand. And I was telling y'all I worked 50 to 60, 70 hours a week for five years. Mind you, I had two kids who missed their mama right? I sacrificed that then. And my reward is now. So I wasn't able to be there with and for my daughter when she was younger, with and for my son when he was younger. And I'll take that back. I will correct myself. It's not that I wasn't able to. I chose not to. Being a mom is something that takes effort and work for me. And I own that. I own that space. I now no longer find that to be gross. I, I own that. I, it doesn't own me anymore. Being a businesswoman and being an entrepreneur and being a hustler is at my heart. I can do that like cake. Now I get to choose to be there for my daughter differently in the way of being a very present grandma. And I still have a passion for serving in the entrepreneurial community. I didn't want to take on more clients because taking on more clients meant that I was giving up this newfound freedom that I've 
finally wrapped my hands around, right? Like just literally not having the weight, the thought, the anything around the salon business. And I'd say that's my biggest reward is getting to choose this. And now I'm choosing to pivot my brand a little bit of how I do things. So I'm going to start doing more group and more um, masterminds and academies and um, group training so that I can serve more people while still working minimal time. So you guys understand that this work on working on you, understand that the work of always having to go back to the drawing table and reverse engineering at every stage and every season for every episode that you're in, in your career, it's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. <laughs> and you will not get where you want to go continuing to do things the way that you've always done them. Mm. And let's say that I am you will not get where you want to go continuing to do things the way that you've always done them. And, and let me layer up on that, that unless and until you're willing to acknowledge what you don't know that you don't know and get in the room or hire or outsource or resource or join forces with the people who do, you're never going to get there because if you had the skill set to be, you already would be. I joined a mastermind in this season. I've been coaching for many, many years. It's not because I need to learn how to coach or how to consult. I'm here because I need to learn how to pivot and do more in the group sector, which is something that is very unfamiliar to me. So I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and stepping into the world of somebody else's expertise so that I can borrow some of their confidence. I can borrow some of their knowledge. I can borrow some of the things that they have in this new space that I don't. And it, every stage in your career, you should be looking at what that is and who those people are. Every stage. I don't care where you're at. That's huge. That's huge. And that's not something that is talked about. Uh, Ever. If anything... I was hit more with, why are you always doing so much? How come you're not happy with what you have? You know, they would look around at me and my, my client base and the fact that I always had an assistant and I was making six figures well after my second year. So the last 18 years. And I, I thought, well, because I've been making the same amount for 15, 15 years, there's gotta be more, mm -hmm. you know, the skills that I've acquired, the knowledge that I have, why am I busier than the girl next to me? Why can I retain clients and they can't? What is the difference between the service I'm providing versus the service they're doing? You know, so it was really breaking down the reverse engineer. Do I want my clients to come back? Yes. Do I want mm -hmm. them to come back the time they're in my chair? Yes. Just like I respect their time. So I'm quick. I'm efficient, but I charge for that. So again, though, I feel like um, I have been very lucky with having mentors. You mentioned Robert Crummings when we were talking earlier. That's where I started my career was at a Robert Crummings salon. And oh I was around Robert and I was around um, a lot of senior stylists at the time that were mentored personally by him. And one of those mm -hmm. became my mentors and who, who really guided and, and showed me the way behind the chair and how to give the most amazing client experience. And I will forever give him credit on building my clientele and being able to retain like we did. Um, but he wasn't savvy with the, the business side of it, with the numbers, with the business. And that's where, you know, his ultimate 
downfall with running the salon is he he came from a place of just giving and serving and he wanted us all to have all the things right but mm -hmm. you don't pay attention to the numbers of the backside of it your business isn't going to succeed and right. fortunately that was a, a, a situation where I learned a lot of lessons watching him and going through mm -hmm. that and when I moved into a bigger salon space I watched that being ran in a much different way and she had a team much like you were talking about what you've implemented and you know, that structure worked well for me for almost 10 years. I loved that. And um, at some point I knew that there was more for me. And so I kept seeking out other mentors, which made me go outside of the salon, which led me to Chris and Lori um, and mm -hmm. led me to going down the path of like a business mastermind. I was like, like you just said, what, I know there's things I don't know. Yep. Who knows some of these things that they could teach me and how could I then apply them to the skill sets that I have and think about what else I would be good at? How else could I provide and serve and I wasn't even sure who I wanted to serve. And so I'm so grateful that the, my industry, like, you know, has brought me in and, and allowed for me to grow in this space, but it's like starting all over for me, mm -hmm. but the, the impact of having a coach or a mentor in my life has forever changed. I grew up playing sports. So, you know, the difference between having a good coach yes. and a bad coach, it's like having for a sure. boss or a bad boss, a good coach will make you want to stay in the game and try your hardest. Same with that at a business. If you've got a shitty owner and a shitty boss, you're going to quit. It's not a yep. We don't quit our business. We quit whoever you're working for because they didn't mm -hmm. provide sound structure or guidance or help, you know, or, and or that also the, the employer, the employee, the person also, I think it goes back to like really getting clear. And then we talked about prior to the call, like get clear about what it is that you want and get clear about what it is that the place that you're going to has to offer. Totally. Get really clear about that. If you're going into an employee-based business, you better be going into an employee-based business that has a career path for you. Mm. Make sure that you know how you grow within this place. If you're gonna be a commissioned person in any industry, I'm not gonna isolate it to the beauty industry, the sky is the limit, but how do you get there? And then what? What happens when you're a fully booked hairdresser and you're at the max commission, then what? Is there a system or a structure on how you increase your prices? Is there a structure, a, a system or a structure on getting new clients? Is there a system or a structure on becoming, you know, advancing in the business? Is there an opportunity for profit share? Is there master programs? Like what is the career path from hire to retire, whether it is you as your own boss or you working for someone else? You got to get clear about that because expectations can only be met on both sides if they're clear. Mm. Oh my God. That's so powerful. I hope everyone listening is really resonating with this and really thinking about don't feel overwhelmed. If you're listening and you're thinking, oh fuck, I've done none of this. I have, you know, all the overwhelm right now listening, thinking, I wish I would have, could have, um, you have every opportunity now to reassess your business and look at what you've been doing, what you haven't been doing, what's been working, what hasn't been working. And like Melissa said earlier, if you continue to do the same thing that you're doing now, you will have the same result in six months or a year or five years. So if what you're doing is working and it's bringing you peace and freedom, then you're probably on the right path. You're probably doing amazing. And, you know, find yourself in our stories as you listen to this. But if you're feeling like, holy shit, she's talking to me, then this is a chance for you to really like assess your business, look at what you're doing and find somebody to help guide you. Whether it's someone like Melissa, if it's a, a life coach that you need, or if it's somebody more of like a business coach slash life coach, like myself, find somebody that you resonate with that will help push you 
to find that being like she was talking about earlier. So then you can then have the things, you know, that you're, you're somehow blocking the worthiness, like you were saying earlier, that it, mm-hmm. it all comes back to that. Why are we holding ourselves back? Because only you get in your own way. We can blame outside circumstances. We can blame all the things, but you know, wherever you're at is where you put yourself. And when you sit in indecision, you are cautious, consciously making a decision to not make the decision to either do or try or put yourself out there to get outside of your comfort zone. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know that that's, that's a tough spot to be because we want to be comfortable. We want to sit in our little shit sandwich because we know what it tastes like and what it feels like. And, yep. you know, um, I'd like to think anyone listening to this podcast, that's not what you're about. Cause if you know me, you know, that's not what, what I'm here for. I'm all about improving and how you can grow upon the things that you've already been doing. Um, so where can people find you, Melissa? Because I know you probably give out so much good content and just if anyone's interested in working with a life coach, how do they go about finding somebody like you? How do people even find that kind of help? Yeah. Well, I think first things first, it's being in the room with people like you so that they have access to people like me. It's getting in the room with people like me so they have access to people like you. I think it's truly about just using your resources that are available to you first and foremost. But of course, you can find me on the internet. You can find me on Insta. You can find me on Facebook. Um, It's lifecoachandconsult.com and it's lifecoach period and period consult um, for Instagram. So cool. I can't wait to see how you grow this into a group coaching program because I think you can help so many people by you powerfully getting us into groups. I feel like that's one of the things that um, I was actually resistant about getting into a group setting because what do you do first when you're around other people? We compare ourselves to everybody else, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And at the end of the day, you know, um, I never want to feel like the squeaky wheel, but I feel like when you allow yourself to receive the help, when you allow yourself to be in a space where you can be more vulnerable and say, hey, I've hit a place where I feel like I can't go any further without that support. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something special about being in a group where everyone's just collectively there for the betterment of each other. And that's really what I feel like a mastermind is all about. Yeah. Um, So what we won't own about ourselves will own us. Mm, Say that again. What we won't own about ourselves will own us. So owning that spirit of a student, owning the safe space of being vulnerable. If you don't, it'll own you, which means you'll never play big. You'll always keep yourself small because it feels safer. That's so true. Always. Always. Well, I don't know about anybody else listening, but I don't want to stay small. I want to get as big as I possibly can. And I just want to feel all of that expansiveness, which doesn't mean I want to work 70 hours a week. So that's no way. first engineer my peace of mind because I live in beautiful San Diego. I have a nine-year-old who I want to go to all his baseball games and, um, Anything is possible as long as you do what Melissa's saying by reverse engineering the structure of how you're going to do that. I, I love Chris's, um, he did that workshop with us on reverse engineering our numbers. Were you on that? Yeah. Yep. My program because it's so simple, but it's such a clear way to understand what your value is and what you could actually be making versus how many hours you think you should be making or should be. Working. And that's the doing. That's the, the doing. doing. Mm-hmm. I, I invite you to layer that up with the being. Same way. If six figures is the doing what you want to create on the end of the doing you reverse engineer that backwards if being at peace and having freedom is what you want as you know winning and on the being side reverse engineer it backwards and then marry the two together i love that make them play well make them play well never sacrificing 
the duality design that you desire or the being of who you want to be and what you want to feel inside. Mm. They both can live together in the same house. They can, they can come together and be happy. I love that. Well, thank you for giving us permission to know that so that we don't get stuck in the doing, because I know for myself and a lot of hairdressers, the grind is where it's at. And we just Mm -hmm. do, 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 and we stay in the busy. So we don't have to think about the other stuff. And then we wonder why we hit a wall and feel like we're burnt out and just want to cry under the desk. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why we're here because we've cried our, we've cried our tears and now we're here to wipe yours up and tell you it's all going to be okay. And we're going to show you the way. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Melissa. This was so wonderful. Thank you for having me. Come back on when you get your group program put together so we can get that out into the world and share you with more people. Of course. I appreciate you. Much love. So much love. If you guys love this episode, please leave us a thoughtful comment, tag us both on social media and repost what your favorite takeaways were. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.